Coming to you from our opulent and luxurious 4x8 refurbished broom closet at the National Headquarters in Indianapolis. With duct tape, studio lights, and a mic that you barely can hear, we hope to entertain and educate you. This is the Tango Alpha Lima Podcast. They call me crazy because I'm facing all my giants. They try to scare me into thinking I can't fight it. They tell me I should never even think of trying. But that's just me. I'm going to live out in defiance. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Tango Alpha Lima Podcast. I am your host, Mark Seavey, the Special Projects Council of the American Legion. I'm joined by Jeff Daly of the Michigan Dailies, currently in Hollywood, California, and Ashley Gorbulja Moldonado, formerly of Ohio, currently of the Washington, D.C. area. Guys, how are you doing today? I am outstanding. I am well. Uh, We've got a guest today that's going to be right up your alleys. We are going to be joined by Matt Disher. Matt leads military recruiting programs at Cushman and Wakefield, a leading global commercial real estate services provider. Matt's a native of Cincinnati, Ohio, and a graduate of Northern Kentucky University, earning a bachelor's degree of political science after having served in the United States Marine Corps as combat engineer for four years. Much of Matt's post-military career has focused on building and leading corporate military recruiting programs in small and large businesses. Matt's programs have earned company accolades such as military-friendly top 100 awards multiple times, as well as other government and private enterprise award. In 2016, Matt was invited as a subject matter expert to a hearing held by the House Subcommittee on Veterans Affairs, where he shared best practices in post-military careerism. Currently, Matt's role involves marketing strategy to attract post-military careerists, national leadership of internal veteran employer research groups, and building transitioning military programs via hiring our heroes and DOD's SkillBridge platforms. He's also the host of a podcast about this very topic, and you'll hear him talk about that. So without further ado, or slight ado here as we have a quick commercial break, but then we'll be back with, back with Matt in just a second. Billy, Billy. Hearing loss and tinnitus are the top service-connected disabilities, and we know that hearing issues can result in social isolation and loneliness. These issues, in turn, can lead to a host of other potential health conditions, especially for veterans. That's why staying connected with family and friends is so critical to our health. The Heroes with Hearing Loss program supports veterans facing the challenges of hearing loss and provides solutions to keep us connected. One of those solutions is the caption telephone, which allows veterans to listen and read what is said over the phone, making it easier than ever to connect with those who matter most in our lives. Thanks to the sponsor of Heroes with Hearing Loss, Hamilton Captail. Caption telephones are available at no cost for veterans. Learn more at heroeswithhearingloss.org. All right, now we are joined by Matt Disher, who has the best setup for a host or a guest on our podcast that we have seen so far today. Folks, the lighting in the back there that's currently green is on a remote control, which I'm fascinated by. But speaker, headphones, everything's working. So without further ado, we'll go to Jeff Daly so we can have a little Marine on Marine violence here. Go, Jeff. Ah, thank you. Thank you, Double Dog Simplify. Uh, thanks for being here. I, uh, as a, as a, as a Marine, um, I tend to not like jobs. And I see that, you, so whatever I'm asking of you is not for my own personal gain, because you could offer me stupid money and I'd still have to think about it. Uh, 
so you're you're doing all you're like this master recruiter and uh, military kind of advocate on the corporate side. So can you can you tell me tell all of us here what is what are the challenges from the corporate side on getting uh, veterans hired? Why do they need why do they need you? And 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 what makes your job challenging and rewarding? Sure, man. So many. I, I heard a lot of questions in there, and and there are so many ways to answer all of these things. And I appreciate the the introduction as master recruiter. I don't. I honestly sometimes I sit back and I go, I don't know how I got where I am, uh, and I've enjoyed every step of the the way. And I've I've built or led military programs in a handful of different companies, and I consider myself lucky that my career has been focused around this. And, and part of the reason I got into this in the first place was because when I came out of the military as a Marine, uh, blowing things up and shooting guns did not get me hired anywhere. Surprisingly, you think everybody wants somebody who can blow things up and shoot guns, right? So, so that, was, uh, that was the inspiration for, for doing what I did. I'll tell you, there are a lot of challenges. There are a lot of challenges that go into hiring people coming out of the military, hiring the veteran population into corporate America. And I'll, I'll start here. For one, it is that while a lot of our occupational specialties and, and jobs in the military are very much similar or, or very much alike or, or like the jobs that we do out here in corporate America, and I like to think of the military as one giant corporation with all these different support entities, they just wear uniforms and they call themselves different things. But they do all the same things that companies do out here. They fly airplanes, they do logistics, they build buildings, they do IT, they have doctors, they have lawyers, they have veterinarians, et cetera. It's, it's, a, it's a cross-section of the American population and the jobs we do. When you try to take somebody who has 10 or 15 or 20, 25 years in the military and write a resume, and as you all know, you probably know that a resume in corporate America, the, the guideline really is it's one or two pages. If you take a 20 year military career and try to plug it into a one page document, you're missing. I mean, it's a, it's a 60 page document. If you were to write it out, all things considered, you think about a military career, somebody who spent 20 years in the military or even 10 years, they've had three different jobs or three different billets at any given time. And every year that job or billet changes, they're constantly evolving, constantly changing. So imagine that person hangs up their camouflage and has to show up to an interview uh, with a hiring manager who has no reference or a recruiter, a 25-year-old recruiter has no reference of military service. That person's not going to get far. That's, that's why they need us. That's why they need somebody like me. It's, it's one part of it. But I'd say the greater rewards of, of doing this type of work is that the U.S. military produces, and I don't say this as a gimmick, the U.S. military produces the best talent, the most experienced, educated, diverse talent on the face of the earth. And I say this across the board, you have men and women who get to serve in global environments. They solve problems on a day-to-day -day basis. Whoever the, the, the poor schmuck is that was you know, responsible for figuring out how we get billions of dollars of aircraft and weapons and, and beans and bullets over to do an invasion of Iraq, for example, in 2003. I mean, imagine having that person or that team inside of your company. You get nothing from but benefit from that. So a lot of ways we can answer that question, Jeff. It's rewarding on a day-to-day -day basis because there are many men and women, just like myself, who came out of the military who are, are facing a career change. 
for most of their adult lives or all of their adult adult lives, they've been wearing a uniform, going to work, doing three different jobs at a time. And now they're coming out into a world that largely perhaps underappreciates them, doesn't understand what they've been doing, uh, doesn't understand how to utilize their skill sets and their education, et cetera, et cetera. So there's, there's so many ways to answer these questions, but it's exceptionally rewarding when you watch that person hang up the uniform and come into a six-figure job. And now they have a, a career and now they become a member of you know, my team. For example, I hire one and everybody's like, hey, give me more like that person. That's what I do for a living. And it's rewarding from that regard. Nice. Thank you. Ashley, you are up. Right. So glad to see that, you know, you're a native of Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm a Cleveland, Ohio gal. So I'm just going to rub it in real quick because I gave Jeff first question. So now I get to say, go Ohio, OH. Oh, come on, man. You're not going to do I.O.? I.O. Thank you. Okay. All right. Sorry. All right. So Ooh, you guys can spell. For a minute. We can spell. <laughs> I've, heard we, the, we, yeah. I've heard that's the entrance Box requirement checked. of getting in. Box checked. Yeah, he, spell he, the, the problem in my house is that we're Nebraska fans. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, I know. I know. Okay. So the, uh, yeah. So we, we sometimes play along with the OHIO thing. I know it's like mm. people are going to egg my house tonight, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, yeah. Okay. All right. I'm, I will put it out there. I'm not a huge Ohio, the Ohio state fan. Okay. I went to like university of Akron. I grew up in Cleveland. It's like a whole thing down there. It's a religion, whatever. Right. But you know, I like to recognize my Ohio people because Jeff gets a lot of Michigan cred and he likes to be like, Oh, who went to Michigan university? Oh, anyway, I digress. I digress. I just like to give Jeff a hard time and it was a good opportunity. So I'm joking. <laughs> All right. So Matt, super impressed. Um, you know, I've spent a lot of time like reviewing, you know, hiring for heroes, DOD skill bridge platforms, you know, you've had a lot of experience. You've been able to be a, you know, a subject matter expert, um, in a, what was it? A house committee, uh, was it house subcommittee for veteran affairs, yep. um, to share best practices. So such, such cool experiences. Um, you know, I know that there, there's a lot of resume challenges out there, right? Like how do you fit 20 years into, you know, one page, but what are some tips and tricks to help folks within that two year range of getting ready to transfer, not transfer, but transition out of the military? Like what steps should folks be taking regardless of rank, regardless of where they are in the country? Like what are things they need to be looking out for and kind of keeping their head on a swivel? Yeah, so many ways to answer that question as well. But I, I'd say that one of the main pieces, or, or maybe it's three, the three top pieces of advice that I give people when they are ready to make that transition or they need to start thinking about that transition. And those are networking, networking, and networking. And I, I say this somewhat tongue in cheek, but also with a lot of seriousness, those resources did not exist when I was coming out of the military. They, they didn't exist for anybody who came out of the military let's call it six plus years ago, a lot of the resources that we have at our fingertips right now simply did not exist. So people used to get out, go to the newspaper, find a job, and, and that's how they got plugged in. And so we know historically there have been a lot of conversations about post-military failure rates, people just coming home and, and for a lack of better phrases, falling on their faces and, and having a long time to figure it out. And I do believe that all of these play into that 
the mental health crisis, or if it's a, if it's called a crisis, there's a, a mental health discussion around post-military service and veterans. And that's not always just related to PTS and, and other things like that. It's, it's related to all these different factors. If you imagine, again, you're hanging up your uniform, everything you know goes out the window. You've been inside of this room or this box, all your friends and everything that you know is inside of that box. And that door opens one day and you have to come out and all the stuff that you know stays inside of that box. You have to come out now and figure out what your, your next steps are. You cannot do that without a network. You cannot do that without finding mentorship and without find, finding guidance. And this, is, this really goes for the four-year E3, E4 on over to the 25-year the senior enlisted or, or senior officer. Uh, you have to go find people who are out here so that you can kind of frame your discussion around what happens next. And I say that networking is great when you're just having conversations like we are here, conversations about advice and, and mentorship and things like that. But networking is also great. because I, I talk to a lot of people that do one job in the military and they want to do a completely different job outside of the military. Or in my case, my job didn't necessarily exist out of the military. So let's take your infantry machine gunner or maybe better, I had a conversation with a, uh, a retiring special forces operator the other day coming out of the army. Uh, and the question is like, well, what do you do next? And the guy has a, the, the world at his fingertips. He can go learn some new skill or trade, but he's got a family to support. He's got to figure out a way to make a decent amount of money without starting as an entry level candidate that you know any other 18 or 22 year old would start out at. So I, I say that networking is, are, are the top three because you have to figure out what you want to do next. And I talk to a lot of people who are unsure about that, even six months before they transfer out. Uh, some of those jobs in the military are transferable into civilian skills. If you work on aircraft in the military, you can certainly go work, work on aircraft uh, for Delta Airlines or American Airlines, unless it was uh, 2020 and the airlines were shut down, uh, which is, you know, again, it throws a wrench into things. Uh, if you're a logistician, you can go work for companies like Amazon or FedEx. You can you can get jobs in those organizations. If you're an HR professional, you can work literally anywhere that has HR jobs. So I think some of my best advice in the networking piece is to figure out what you want to do next and what you need to do to get there. So again, six months before your transition out is is too late to start thinking, well, what certifications do I need to be a workday administrator or a Salesforce administrator or if I want to be an IT programmer, I'm like, well, what have you done in the military to get yourself into IT? And they're like, well, nothing. You have to start mm -hmm. thinking about that stuff, especially while you've got the military, uh, in some cases, giving you that tuition assistance and, and, and paying the bills on, on certification programs. Um, a few other things that I would bring up is salary rates, understanding salary rates and how those things work. Uh, coming out of the military after 15 years. Uh, as an operations manager, let's say you're middle level enlisted, or you're still a JMO or you're a major or something along those lines. And you're like, Hey, I need $150,000. And I want to come into commercial real estate. Well, you haven't been in commercial real estate. You haven't been in my industry. $150,000 a year salary is somebody who's been in this industry for 10 years. So understand that you've got to start somewhere. In some cases, you got to take a step back to take a step forward. But there are, again, so many conversations to have around that. Some people can transition out. Uh, maybe nuclear machinist mate can transition out and probably find a, a, a job that pays them twice what they're making in the Navy because those types of jobs, those maintenance and engineering, especially in the nuclear fields, those are available and they pay well uh, mm -hmm. because the, the talent's hard to find. But for somebody trying to switch careers, 
or somebody trying to make a lateral move, you got to understand what salary rates and salary ranges look like. And you do that, you do that through, through networking. A lot of people come in and they simply don't even know how to interview. And so I always like to tell people, go apply to jobs that you don't even want so that you can get on a, a face-to-face in-person interview or maybe a Zoom call interview, even a phone interview and learn how to talk about yourself and learn how to talk about your specific interests and your specific, your story so that you're able to convey and get really comfortable talking about what you want to, what you want to do next. So there's, you know, a million things that go down this path in terms of what somebody does even two years, one year out of, of, of transitioning from the military. So just as a quick follow-up. So we talk a lot about mentorship, right? So this is all excellent advice. I think for any, anyone that's listening out there, if you're within this window of, you know, you're going to be getting out two, three years, you know, you're not going to go all the way to 20 years, you know, thinking about what that plan looks like for you, utilizing benefits and resources while you're in service, but the mentorship piece, especially for those that want to do, you know, this 180 in career, right? So, you know, I was military police in the military and I was like, I'm going to commit myself to education communication. I felt like I had a bit of an advantage in the guard and the reserve component. Cause you like, you're like one foot in the door, one foot out the door kind of, and that's an overgeneralization because not everyone has a needed transition, but from a mentorship piece, you know, for folks that maybe aren't super comfortable with, you know, talking about themselves or, you know, need to find someone to have that conversation, are there platforms or places you recommend folks to go to receive that kind of mentorship? Are they, you know, are they, are they reaching out within the ranks? Are they reaching out to, you know, nonprofit, other organizations? Like what organizations, Matt, do you send folks to, to find mentors? Right. Yeah, I would say like the, the one that everybody knows about right now in terms of just networking and communication is LinkedIn. Go to LinkedIn, find people, and I'll, I'll probably return to this because LinkedIn is, is a great resource. Uh, there are organizations like American Corporate Partners. There's Veterati. These are, are organizations you go in and create a profile and you're able to connect to people uh, based on their profile. So I, I, am a, I used to be a mentor in Veterati. I'm getting back into it now. Uh, and it's it just it was sort of an evolution in my career that I, I stepped away from it for a little while. But I mentor people on a regular basis that come to me and say, hey, I'm interested either in your industry or I'm interested in just understanding what I should be doing for those next steps. So Veterati, ACP, those are great places to go in and find people based on their profiles. If I'm interested in underwater basket weaving, I can go in there and find a person who is an executive leader in underwater basket weaving company and reach out to them and try to get a half an hour with them at a time. But I'd say that LinkedIn is probably the number one place, while it's not specific to mentorship or it's not specific to those types of conversations, it is a great platform to be, uh, to be utilized to find people in the companies or the industries for which you'd like to work. And what I mean by that is, if you're saying to yourself, I wanna be an underwater basket weaving and I've gone to Veterati and I've gone to ACP and I don't see anybody in there that maybe does that job, you can go into LinkedIn and type in underwater basket weaving and find people that do that type of work on a regular basis. And the idea here is you're not asking them for a job. Everybody's asking for a job. That's, that's half of the inbox is, and I realize I'm, I'm in talent acquisition, but what ends up happening is people just get buried in messaging about, I want a job, I want a job. That's great. I want to talk to people about, or it's, it's maybe easier to get to the person you need to talk to talking to them about, hey, how did your career work out? Hey, I see that you're in underwater basket weaving, but 
you know, I was an MP, let's say I was an MP and I, and, and I don't want to be a police officer, similar to what you just said, Ashley, like that, that's not what you want to get out of the military and go do. So you want to go do something else. You find executive a who's sitting at underwater basket weaving company. And I want to go ask executive a, Hey, it looks like you were an MP too. How did you make that transition? Cause that person's probably going to have a wealth of advice to offer you. And it might not be a formal setting, or you might say, Hey, can we have a conversation half an hour at a time once a month? Um, I have mentored people who are, or advised people, I call it mentorship, call it advisory, uh, retiring colonels out of the army and the Marine Corps. Uh, I have, I have mentored senior enlisted members of the military too. And some of these people are older than me and much more experienced in their respective industry than I am. But I had the advice to tell them maybe where to go next. And so you have to be able to utilize those different platforms. But a lot of it is just asking for advice. You're not asking them to mm -hmm. provide an opportunity for you. You're just saying, hey, I'd really like to pick your brain on what comes next. And people love talking about themselves. So, so use that as a, as a platform. I just want to hear how your career went. I just want to hear what you did to get where you're going. And that'll open that door. That person will be more likely to talk to you as a mentor versus trying to plug you into a job or get you to the next step. Yeah, I concur. I think there's a lot of misconception about LinkedIn and its platform use. Like I think some folks just think like, if I only want a job, I need to be on there. But mm -hmm. there's so many different content feeds that you can kind of follow and really track like the industry and articles, things that are trending. Um, you know, what are the folks that you're following talking about in the industry that you want to be in? And I think that's really important. And also, I would like to point out that I would be an excellent basket weaver. I'm just saying I'm very crafty. I think I might be the craftiest person here on the podcast, but very crafty. And I would be great. That that's, was just me poking fun at your example. That, that's like saying you're the tallest person in the little person village. You're not really going too far out on a limb here. <laughs> you know yeah, what? You're the craftiest. I, you win. I try. You win. <laughs> I, I was I was just at this arts convention over the weekend, and there are people there making lots of money off of basket weaving. So, I mean, I don't know what kind of school you got to go to for that, but uh, I think it's worth, a thing. I will. Searching. I I do want to interject that, uh, and maybe this should be a sponsor. But there's underwaterbasketweaving.org, and I found them. Guess where? LinkedIn. <sighs> I, oh boy! I just looked it up. Together. You said that. I, I think together. it's yeah. LinkedIn is just kind of funny because I still remember probably it was about eight or ten years ago when I first moved to Indiana to work for the American Legion. I got one of those emails that's like, "Hey, you should consider joining up, joining LinkedIn," and the person who was recommending me was the national commander at the time. And I got that email and I was like, am I being fired? I literally <laughs> didn't know what it was. Like, I was like, holy crap. Like, I just moved to Indiana. You guys can't fire me immediately. Like, I, in, in my life, I've only had two employers and one of them was for less than a year. And now I've been with the Legion for 23. The thought of having to interview scares the bejesus out of me. I, I, it's it's just not like I'm, I'm content and challenged in my own doubt. But one of my questions, like I served in an infantry unit and it was admittedly not your standard infantry unit because we were just outside Washington, D.C. and it was a guard unit. And I had we had guys who had master's degrees from Georgetown who were enlisted. We had. And so, you know, and we also had our fair share of 
guys who just barely got through the ASVAB. So I'm not saying it, but when you say something like the infantry, you know, you, oh, you're an infantryman. It's, there's a wide, wide range within the infantry between the guy who has the master's degree from Georgetown and the, the kid who just kind of wandered out of the hills and thought when they said you'll be in the field a lot, you'd be, you know, picking cucumbers or something. But what are some of the, what are some of the traits that come from, like the beauty of the military to me was that you could never fake the funk, not for more than a week, because it was a full immersion of life and you sank or swam and you knew when you got a new Joe into the unit, you knew within a week or so. But how do you convey that to a person who might not necessarily be acquainted with what the military is? I speak military. And so when I talk to somebody, I can tell right off the bat whether they've got it going on or not. But how do you translate that to an employer who might not necessarily speak military? You know, a lot of times I think it starts with asking that candidate if they're looking at a specific job. And this is another piece of advice that I give to a lot of people, uh, asking them if they're interested in the specific type of role. I ask them to look at the job description and then tell me how their background fits into the job description. Because I don't I frankly, I talk to let's call it what feels like 100 people a day uh, who are leaving the military. And I haven't on, on few occasions, I'm running into the, the, the same person with the same job. So in other words, the pilot of an aircraft that I talked to last week is is not the same as the pilot of an aircraft that I talked to this week. They're piloting two different things. They're they're in different situations or the mechanic of one aircraft. I'm talking to a, a person the next week and their job is totally different, but their occupational specialty in the military is exactly the same. Right. They do different things. I always like to tell that person to go in and look at a couple of job descriptions. If you're interested in getting into commercial real estate, go in and, and look at, look at a couple of job descriptions in our industry and tell me how your background fits into this. And so let's pick on the infantry for a second. Now, if you think about infantry, uh, 5% of the time in all reality, 5% of the time you're out kicking doors down and shooting guns, right? Yeah. Or you're out, uh, you know, setting up machine gun support by fire positions and, and, and drawing diagrams on where your left and right lateral limits are. And, you know, 5% of the time, the other 95% of the time, especially if you're an NCO or an officer uh, is planning and training and, and, and mission execution and readiness and gear inspections and all these things. And if you were to take that type of role and apply it to corporate business operations, for example, let's use operations management in a distribution center what are you doing in a distribution center as an operations manager? You're leading teams of, let's say, 15 people, uh, or you're leading teams of 30 people or 40 people. You're, now you're a platoon commander, right? Or you're a platoon sergeant. It's the same exact type of thing. It's just in a different environment. Now you are planning. You're planning hourly uh, staffing levels. You're planning payroll. You are trying to motivate that team to operate at an efficient level. It is no different, or in, in some cases, I mean, the environment looks a little bit different, but it's no different from what a platoon sergeant in the infantry is doing, except nobody's throwing hand grenades at you, right? So, or maybe they are, and then that's a hot, called a hostile work environment. You don't want to be, you don't want to work there. But as, as far as I know, here in the United States, we're not hiring these types of jobs uh, where that type of environment's happening. So it, it really comes down to the candidate. And this is where the piece it comes back to the, the corporate entity. Companies behoove themselves by hiring people who can interpret military backgrounds, who can run programs. If they are really serious about it, run a program because the financial incentives there 
are abundant. And it's at the end of the day, the, the great talent, there's tax incentives, there's payroll savings incentives, there's all these different things that flow into that. You're getting more out of it than you're putting into it. Uh, but, but second to that, second to having a person on board who is doing that interpretation, you also have to have somebody that can challenge the candidate to interpret their background to make sure that they fit and they understand what that job is supposed to be. So it's a 50-50 meet in the middle type of thing. Um, frankly, it comes down to that job description, as I mentioned. Go through the bullet points of a job description. If it's asking for five years of small team leadership, five years of budget planning, and five years of underwater basket weaving, again, and you're like, hey, you know what? I have all, all three of those things, except maybe my budget planning was a little bit different than what corporate America is. We can make that we can close that gap. There's, there's a certain level of the awkward teenage years for anybody joining a company, even if they're experienced, there's going to be a, a few weeks or months of getting their feet under them. And that's time to use, hey, your budgets look different. You were allocating dollars for ammunition instead of allocating dollars for payroll. I'll show you that in a week. You know, you, it goes back to saying like, you, you can teach skills, but you can't teach personality and you can't teach hard work ethic and et cetera, et cetera. I can teach you the skills. I just need you to understand what job you're getting into and how your previous experience fits into that. So I can you know, help you write a resume and get you in the door. Yeah, that's. Yeah. It's all sound advice. Perfectly yes. stated. Yeah. yeah, it's no arguments. All right, let's take a quick commercial break and we'll be back in 30 seconds. Clearance Jobs is joining the American Legion 100 Miles for Hope Challenge. During the month of June, for every new subscriber to the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, Clearance Jobs will donate $1 to the Veterans and Children's Foundation via 100 Miles for Hope. Check the show notes for links to subscribe to Clearance Jobs Security Clearance Careers Podcast and help veterans and children today. All right, and we are back with Matt Disher. And Ashley, you are up again. Oh, already? Oh, okay. <sighs> Gosh, let's see. Where do I want to take this conversation? We've talked about some great resources. Uh, we've talked a little bit about some of the challenges. Let's talk about, hmm, maybe I should get one of those wheels where like topic spin, keep it lively. <laughs> huh. So I wanted to get your insight on you know, you're definitely your subject matter expert. You're, you're working with uh, Cushman and Wakefield. You're doing global commercial real estate. You're, you're doing recruiting. You're helping these companies. You've been, you know, you've helped earn your company accolades and military friendly, you know, top 100 awards. Um, how are you continuing to like grow and, and challenge? So like you, Matt, what are you doing in the immediate, right? So you've got podcasts, you've got all kinds of stuff. How are you getting the word out there? How are you spreading the message and sharing the love with, with all those that need your knowledge? Uh, there are a lot of ways. This, this continues to evolve too. I like to tell people that 10 years ago, five years ago, it was, it was print marketing magazines and job fairs. And as we saw, especially through the last 14, 15 months, that doesn't work anymore. Uh, if you didn't have any digital strategy, uh, then you were left in the dust, so to speak. Um, I think that how do we get the word out? A lot of it is it's word of mouth. And, and with military programs inside of an organization, what you have to rely on is consistent messaging and, and becoming synonymous, making your, your 
your employment brand or your company synonymous with post-military transition. And so a handful of companies have done this historically. They don't even have to put the word military or veterans in their logo. It just, or they don't have to put their company name for that matter. You know, I'll use Starbucks as an example. When you drive past a Starbucks, I'm pretty sure the Starbucks down the street from me doesn't even say Starbucks on it. It's just a logo. So it has become now synonymous, not with military necessarily, but I know that that's coffee. I know that that's Starbucks because I'm familiar with that brand. What we're trying to do is accomplish the same type of thing in the military space. And that is that we literally have to show up as many places as we can and, and get this in front of as many people as we can. Uh, and a lot of that comes down to programmatic, uh, programmatic approaches. So for example, digital ads, I, I like to use the word geofence digital ads. Uh, I, I run digital geofenced ads. I wrap digital fences around military bases and I feed advertisements into internet browsers and social media within those locations. So if you're sitting on Camp Pendleton right now and uh, you're going to pick up YouTube and watch videos of kittens or car crashes or whatever you watch on YouTube, um, I personally like to go in and watch helmet cam videos of like A-10s coming in and doing gun runs on the tree line. There you go. Okay. Those are... Those are my favorite. I'm definitely uh, babies and puppies, but okay. Pu I like pup. I like puppies too. <laughs> um, uh, but but now, before you walk in and 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 watch your puppies and kitties and A10s doing strafing runs on the tree line, now you're going to see a 15 or 30 second video from us, and it's going to talk again synonymously with post military careerism in my industry. So that's that's one way we do it. Are we still doing job fairs? Absolutely. Where where they are relevant. I mean, the thing is that. Job fairs are the kind of thing where you can pack up and jump on an airplane and fly across the country and show up to an event that has 80 people in it. That might not be a, a good return on investment unless they are 80 facility maintenance techs and we absolutely need them at this moment in time right now, then it's, it's certainly worth it. But uh, a lot of this comes down to the storytelling portion on LinkedIn. I, I find myself having less and less time uh, as, as my job progresses, as my responsibilities progress. But Storytelling on LinkedIn is a great way to reach the transitioning military service member and to become, uh, again, synonymous in the network. So you're, you're trying to become synonymous in the network among other people that have military programs or people that have voices in this space, influencers. That's a term that we see from social media a lot lately. And apparently you can dance in front of a camera and that makes you an influencer. That's great. There's also influencers in talent. There's influencers in post-military uh, careerism, there's influencers in, I mean, you name it, in electric cars. So we're, we're trying to get to the people that are relevant in those spaces as well. Um, po yeah, podcasting is, is a great way. It's, you know, in some cases, unless you can reach that audience who wants to hear about that topic specifically, it's a challenge. Uh, inside of our organization, what we are trying to do is really step up the use of, again, social media and the use of that, that digital branded marketing so that we show up wherever a military service member opens their phone and gets on social media or is shopping for shoelaces or whatever. It's the advertisements that now follow you around. Mm -hmm. So if we got you one place, then it's going to keep following you around. So, so now it's, it's constantly feeding you messaging that, uh, right. that makes our brand, uh, again, I use the word synonymous 50 times, but it's synonymous with now they associate Cushman and Wakefield, for example, with, with military transition, but it's a constantly evolving process. There's a lot of conversations that happen. It's not all just talking to candidates and, and doing interviews and screening. A lot of it is 
talking to industry partners and benchmarking with other companies and creating internal messaging. The other thing about all this is that if we do external advertising really great, but then don't have a method of, of delivering it internally, then we fail. And that's Absolutely. a constant, it's a constant evolution. It's kind of like car manufacturers or car dealers advertising for cars right now. And then when you show up at their dealership, there aren't any. I don't know if you guys are experiencing that same issue, but that's the same problem we run into. If we run ads and then don't have our people prepared to intake on the back end, we fail. I, I think you're spot on. I think between, you know, yes, synonymous, I think is the best way to describe it is, you know, companies out there like for all company, anyone who's a director or manager listening, like you have to have a digital media strategy. It's the 21st century and it is constantly evolving. So having folks that know the military connected community who understand that it, just as you said, like you could have a great external marketing plan, but you may not do so hot internally if you still have HR folks or you still have other people who are not, you know, bought in or understand the value of why we are doing this initiative, right? right. Like, so it's so important for companies out there and for hiring managers and for other folks to continue to learn and seek guidance from folks like like Matt here and others that are out in the community that are influencers and also very talented. So yeah, well, that's, that's fantastic. Jeffrey. Right, besides creeping me out to the next level about uh, online advertising, uh, <laughs> following Marketing. me around. I mean, which, uh, listen, no, I, had, it, I, I had a conversation next to a bonfire over the weekend about going uh, about uh, a vacation to Thailand and, and how Thailand would be a cool place to visit. And I didn't enter that into my phone. And then my phone yet the next day is serving me a video ad about a vacation to Thailand. So that's call that what I'm you want. Saying. But uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, you have I'm to be, you have to know the algorithm. Yeah, but, so there's algorithms on each of these platforms. Right. There's just so much that needs to be taken into consideration. A lot of folks don't really realize that sometimes like you're curate like you're curating a feed that is specifically on your own interests and needs. So mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Jeff. I know. I get excited. I love digital media. I love comms. I love marketing. Right. I know, but we're it's talking about jobs. Jobs. All right. Yeah. So training, education, creepy, creepy advertising aside. Uh, I, I love the fact that you talk about service gap. We've had other uh, guests. Well, you talk about the gap. Uh, some people talk about service gap and I kind of want to point out link, especially for CV who's deathly afraid of LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn has other things besides getting a job. You can get certificates and you, uh, you can get training and become serve in things, uh, maybe even underwater basket weaving. I don't know mm -hmm. uh, if, I don't know. And, but what you really, what you really started talking about is this military experience translation. That's what I've called it. I've called it the MET because I was in the military and you have to turn everything into an acronym. Acronyms, yeah. So, <laughs> so this, to me, that's like the biggest thing that you have that you could enhance someone who's, uh, the way that you talked about uh, an infantry person, I would make them a CEO right. tomorrow, <laughs> just from the way that you described it. And which you kind of have to get to the interview to do that, right? Right. And they kind of need to be taught that. What can you show on 
paper, especially when a lot of these things are, are being fed, you know, through AI and they're looking for keywords and things like that. And you don't have the time to explain that. What can you do to get to the interview before someone could replicate the Matt Disher's uh, infantry is perfect for any job? Yeah, the, you know, the short answer to this is uh, back to that idea of the job description. Go read the job description and then format your resume to look exactly like that job description. So again, if it says this job is going to be dealing with, you know, purple unicorns and underwater basket weaving and uh, sprinkling fairy dust on things, then your resume should have all of those words inside of it in some form or fashion you, you cannot one of the biggest fatal mistakes people make in in applying to jobs and then they come knock on the door and say hey i applied to this job and and didn't get accepted what's happening i'm like well this job is you know again it's it's uh it's a outer space door gunner and nothing on your resume says that you have outer space door gunner ex experience and so the simple answer to that is take whatever resume, whatever information or, or experience you have from your background and try to try to work it into you know, without lying and fibbing. Obviously, you're not going to go in and say that, well, yeah, I have 10 years of outer space door gunning experience or space shuttle door gunning experience. You're not going to lie about that because then when they put you to test, you're not going to be able to do it. But the idea is that if if you have a lot of what that is, uh, a lot of what that job is asking for, make sure that your resume is formatted as such. Uh, and, and a lot of people, again, make that fatal mistake of just having one resume and they go apply for 50 jobs and they use the same resume for everything. And they're hoping that that works. And in some cases, if you have vast enough corporate experience where you've done all the stuff, you're, you're a marketing expert and you have 20 years of corporate marketing experience and you're applying to any other marketing job, then sure, your resume probably says that anyway. You don't need to transform it. But if you're the infantry NCO and, and you're applying to a job out here in civilian America, Chances are, uh, if you wrote it the way that the Marine Corps would write it, your job is, I mean, your, 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 your experience isn't going to look like anything that I need here in corporate America. So that's, that's probably the, the, the short, that's a, that's a long, short answer. Um, there are military skills translators out there. Frankly, I don't, I don't particularly like them because when I enter my occupational code, 1371, combat engineer in the Marines, I'm supposed to be a bricklayer. And if I were to follow its advice, I'd be laying bricks and concrete right now. And that's not what I do. It's not what I, I, I have no interest in doing that. Uh, so what those skills translators often can't take into account is all of the B billet stuff. It's all the stuff that you did, the other billets you held while you were an infantry NCO, the three other jobs you had in terms of, you know, inventorying equipment and doing logistics and I, I don't know, anything else, underwater basket weaving, uh, fairy dust sprinkling, all these other things that you do in the military that weren't necessarily in your job description. If I go to a, a skills translator and punch in 0311 from the Marine Corps, it's going to basically say that I was kicking doors down and shooting guns. And that's not relevant to anybody out here in corporate America. So it, it really starts there, starts by making your resume look as much like the job description as you can. And then back to that networking piece, go talk to people in these organizations and these companies and these industries where you want to end up and see what they say. Because sometimes they might just, although you're not asking for a job, they might just introduce you to somebody else who can plug you into the job you want. Right. And it's, it's, it's pretty important to point out that it's not industry specific because, you know, I'm in LA entertainment is uh, the predominant industry. And we hear the same things about clearly about networking and 
uh, one of the things about having, they call having an ideal or exceptional post or whatever you need to in the American Legion is you need to mirror your community. And I've, I've seen that happen here in Los Angeles because we have a lot, we, you know, producers at different networks and, you know, they network with people who just got out and want to be a gaffer or, or electrician on set or those things like you, best boy, the things that you read in the, in the credits that you don't know what they are. Nobody knows what they are. And I, I remember I used to read best boy and I'm like, well, that's kind of creepy. What did that actress <laughs> do to deserve having one of those on her payroll? It's a dolly grip. It's a dolly grip. So uh, just that, that, that networking is key everywhere. Uh, not is. just in commercial real estate. And I think we're probably going to create a great industry today for underwater basket weaving. I'm, I'm pretty confident yeah. that that's going to be a growth industry based on our influence. What the try. world needs right now is a few more underwater baskets, almost as much as they need attorneys, <laughs> I might add. You guys should have an underwater basket. We should find somebody and have them on this show. Yeah, oh, that, would, that, would, that would make for a, but, but you're right, Jeff, I always say this, whatever's good for the veteran community is good for everybody. This isn't, we're not talking rocket science. This isn't like, this isn't always necessarily unique to the military and veteran community. These rules work for everybody. It's, it's just that everybody else who has not been serving in the military often already has this knowledge or they already have some of this work experience. And so they're not, it's not foreign to them at this point. Right. That's, that's the, that's the service gap. Part is you, right. You know, you get out after even four years. You know, you're you're 22, and the people you went to high school with have college degrees mm -hmm. and are getting getting jobs that people with college degrees get. And and you're either starting college, which then lengthens the service gap because now you have to add another four years. And these these kinds of these kinds of skills. Uh, you don't really make up on your own. Like you, you don't DIY some of this stuff. Then that's where the, the mentorship comes in. That's where the networking comes in. It's, and I, and I like that you said that you were mentoring people who are more experienced than you because you have you, nobody, nobody. And yes, Mark, I said it, nobody. And I'm including me. Nobody knows everything. <laughs> like, so if I know 98% of the things on earth, Somebody, I need somebody to teach me how to navigate the other two percent. Right. We, and, we should start with math because I don't think you're all that good at math either. <laughs> ninety-eight and two? It's a hundred. That's everything. Just in general, I think you're ninety-eight. Maybe your range estimation is a bit off. Oh yeah. <laughs> I know many things, Mr. C B. So uh, that's so I've been I've been to thank you for those things. And I I I don't really have a question. I just wanted to kind of reiterate the the major points that you talked about, because first of all, I need them to sink in with me. And if I need them to sink in, there's other people, I'm looking at a couple of them, that uh, that these kind of messages are, are super important. And I'm glad that uh, you brought them to this show. So thank you for that. Yeah, of course, absolutely. Thank you. I I do. I do have one thing too. I know that we've talked a little about like Jeff, you mentioned the service gap with education. I know, I know I, I come from education. I all the above. What's really important for like some folks and Matt maybe have something to weigh on in this is that, you know, even though like you're starting college at a different age group than maybe the peers that, you know, like you maybe would have graduated if you went right in 
you know, traditionally, whatever that means anymore, going into college. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing, like there are internships out there, there's fellowships, there's opportunities locally, um, utilize every resource your military services center offices on campus, any partnerships that exist, get involved with things that are outside of your comfort zone to really broaden and explore those career ambitions that you have, because like many folks like myself and maybe others out there who have started college and switched, you know, degrees or thought, oh, I need to take, a, I need to take like a gap year for myself because I don't know if this is working and then I'm going to go back. There are so many things out there and resources that if you're going to school, don't think necessarily you're going to have this, you know, uh, you're going to be put at a disadvantage of anything. Like you can use more resources to your advantage while you're going to school. And I don't know if you've got any advice on that, Matt. I, I so I was that student. I, I got out of the Marine Corps. I went to work uh, here in Cincinnati. Uh, there's a, a restaurant chain, a restaurant group called Jeff Ruby's. Jeff Ruby was a, it's like, these are five-star steakhouses. Uh, walked in sight unseen, Jeff Ruby gave me a job. So I went to work as a bartender at one of his restaurants. And these are like really nice restaurants. You can make some decent money there. And so that's what I did for a little while. while I tried to figure out what was next. Um, again, this is back in the day where there wasn't networking. There wasn't a, like the tap program was, here's how you open a savings account. Here's how you write a resume, get out of my face. And so I, I figured I'd come home and who wouldn't want to hire a sergeant from the Marine Corps? You know, like that's a, I can go work wherever I want to go work. And it, it didn't turn out that way. Uh, so I, I took a, a year and a half and I worked for a little while. I was making decent money, but it, it got boring pretty quick. So I went back to college or I went to college and I switched programs a couple of times. And I found myself the, at some point, the 26, 28 year old college student making Anchorman jokes from the movie Anchorman. And I'm sitting in a classroom full of 18 and 19 year olds who were, uh, I don't even, they were five years old when that movie came out. And that's where I realized I'm like, I'm not, I'm out of sorts here. Like I don't belong in this place. I need to hurry up and get through this. And that was difficult. It was difficult because uh, my wife had a professional job. I was working at night as a police dispatcher in police dispatch for the city of Cincinnati. And I was going to school during the day for four hours. I had no connection to the outside world. I was an old college student compared to everybody else. Uh, the college I went to didn't have a veteran center. A lot of colleges do have veteran centers now. But these are all things, one of the biggest resources, one of the biggest ways that I got to where I was getting was that I leaned on the local network of other people that have been there and done that just like I was. And it, it is probably one of those understated things. Something I, I like to talk about is the TAP program doesn't prepare you for the emotional trans, transfer from the military to civilian life. There's it's a lot of nuts and bolts about you know, again, resumes and insurance and how to buy a house and stuff like that and finance and stuff like that. But they don't tell you that sometimes you're going to be sitting in your car wondering, like, what do I do next? Nobody gives you that advice. Nobody tells you that you need to prepare for that. And that is where your community of people come in. The veteran center at your college, it might be like, hey, you know what? I'd rather go home and spend some time with my family. That's fine. But stop into that veteran center because you might have 16 other students and or an advisor in there that might just sit you down and put things back into perspective. I was one of those coming out of the Marine Corps. I thought I knew it all. I was like, I've already been there and done that. I've you know, traveled around the world and now I'm ready. To, I know more than most college students. I wish I, I wish I could go back in time now and utilize some of those resources, some of those communities and populations that I simply did not lean on. So it's absolutely per pertinent to, to, to find those resources, find communities, find places to sit down and talk, invent in some cases. So you, 
you can get through that emotional transition and you understand that you're not the only one doing it. Thank you for indulging me. <laughs> of course. All right, Matt, where can, uh, where can people find you? You can find me on LinkedIn. Of course, there are not many Matt Dishers, uh, believe it or not. There is another Matt Disher in Cincinnati as I've come to find out, but I am Matt Disher at Cushman and Wakefield. Cushwakevets.com uh, is, our, is our website professionally uh, if you're looking for opportunities uh, within Cushman and Wakefield. And then, uh, as we mentioned, I have a podcast called Beyond the Wire, and we talk mainly about this subject uh, of transitioning out of the military, what transition of, of the military looks like, and, and covering a lot of the topics we've covered here today. Great. Well, Matt, we uh, appreciate you being here. Uh, it's uh, obviously we've enjoyed it. It's we've run over by quite a bit, but thank you very much for joining you and for joining us and to everyone else. We will be back in 30 seconds. Thanks, Matt. Thanks. See you guys. All right. So we have finished talking to Matt, Ashley. What did you make of all of it? So Big picture for folks out there in transition, go and listen to Matt's podcast, which is Beyond the Wire. Additionally, make sure that you're taking advantage of all of the resources, having uncomfortable conversations about where you see yourself in the next few years upon transition. I think it's so vital to ask questions and to find mentorship and be, be a bit vulnerable. Like it's it's going to be an interesting transition. You got to face it head on, just like any challenges of the military. And I think Matt did a really great job in summarizing both some of the pros, cons, challenges, rewards of our military uh, community being fused in both in corporate America. Yes. Uh, I was just super impressed to hear uh, Matt talk about the, the service, or the gap in general, and then the service gap and how different strategies for closing that, uh, whether it be training, mentorship, networking, he was really big on networking and uh, utilizing the digital space for both for hirers and those looking for jobs. So it, it's great, it's, it gave a great big picture with examples and uh, I found that very helpful. And I was happy to hear that if I get more invites to LinkedIn, it does not mean I'm being fired, so. Got that going for me. So. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening to our podcast this week. Remember to subscribe to the Tango Alpha Lima uh, podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, review and rate us, preferably five stars. If you leave comments on YouTube, make sure you mention Ashley's microphone, uh, which we're going to start changing daily because that does seem to be the, uh, the big attention getter. Uh, if you want to send us feedback, including uh, why she should go back to her previous microphone, you can comment again at YouTube or send us an email at tangoofflima at legion.org. Everyone else, we will see you next week. Bye.